Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. So we want to welcome to the show today, Andrew Page, the founder of Strawman. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Strawman, but if you're not, uh, it's an online community of investors that uh, rate stocks and share their research and their tips. And uh, I think it's been around a couple of years, but I'm sure Andrew will tell us more of the story. So uh, welcome to QAV, Andrew Page. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Where are you coming from? You, you're Sydney-based? I am Sydney-based. We're out in the uh, inner west. Right. And uh, things are going well in Sydney, I think, still virus-free Sydney mostly. Is that right? Unlike Adelaide today, uh, sadly. It's, it's kicking around. I, I heard that, that they, they do testing with um, sewage, and that, that gives you a, a pretty accurate read that it's, it's out there, but, but the reported numbers are pretty low, so hopefully it stays that way. I wonder what else they can test via sewage. A lot. A, worried, a little bit worried about them looking at my sewage, quite honestly. Oh, yeah. yeah no, they I don't know what, they, what they're <laughs> going to find in there. Um, so before Strawman, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to your career a little bit, but, but where I want to start, Andrew, is um, Electric Bean. Can you tell me about Electric Bean? Um, this was this is one of those great experiences that that teaches you a lot, but you hope never to repeat. Um, so man, I just going back quite a few years now, but some friends and I thought we would open up a cafe, um, sort of very hip and sexy. And we thought it would be great fun. And it was a nightmare, frankly. Um, it's a very tough business. Anyone who's run that kind of business or the restaurant hospitality business knows that it's very tough, long hours, very tiring, thin margins, hyper competitive, <laughs> just it was it was really tough so we only had it for we started it from scratch we started it and it's a horrible name by the way i just want to say on the record it wasn't my idea for the name it's a horrible name um we started it we ran it for about a year and then and then we we sold it actually so we, we broke even on our startup cost but there was there was a there was it was it was a it was a waste of time other than what it taught us what not to do what was the electric part of the bean? That's, that's uh, stupid, man. I, I hated it. I, I, I said at the time I hated it. I'll say it again. Uh, yeah. Awful name. I said that about QAV as a brand, but, you know, Tony, <laughs> Tony, I go, what the, no one's going to know what a QAV is, but, you know, he's the boss. So uh, we can change it electric QAV from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just QAV. The, uh, the cafe, it's interesting, though, because one of the big um, things that Tony did early on when we were doing the show that really, helped me start to understand what the hell he was talking about was he would use a cafe analogy to talk about looking at a company. And, uh, you know, I think a cafe is something that even though most of us haven't had the electric bean experience, we kind of 
King Grass Power Cafe works. And uh, so, you know, we often do use a cafe analogy when we're talking about stocks and looking at revenue and how much should you pay for it and how would you value it and capital uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah. it's interesting. And you have a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology too, I believe. Yeah. Um, Useful, uh, particularly during a pandemic, I'm sure. Well, to be honest with you, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get a job if I tried in that industry um, now. So, I, I mean, I graduated in the nineties and that, I mean, when I was, when I was at uni, the human genome project was, they were doing that. It was a multinational multi-million dollar global effort. Now you can sequence a gene genome in a couple hours on a, on a little <laughs> box that sits on your desk. So that the, the field has moved so far beyond what I'm qualified for as to be laughable. But uh, I know a few basic things about bacteria. <laughs> Put it that way. Well, it's, I'm sure that comes in handy at some point when you have kids. <laughs> yeah. So tell us. Uh, so tell us about um, Strawman. Give us. Give us uh, the pitch, and I guess uh, tell us where it came from. I think you were at Motley Fool before Strawman. Is that right? Yeah, Motley Fool, um, and then prior to that it was a, a private investment club called Team Invest, and I guess. Uh, the big picture here is is that there was there's a lot of value as you guys would know in getting together and talking with other investors a to get ideas but b to get um, sort of lean in on their experience and their insights um, and their wisdom but but as you as you probably know it's very hard to do online if anyone's tried to join a, a Facebook group or there's another very well known forum company in Australia that I won't mention. Um, and there are some, actually some really high quality contributors but on these places, but unfortunately they are buried underneath a mountain of noise and hype and pumping and all of the, the worst aspects of human nature and investing. So it was really just a desire to, without all the, the you know, talking about social platforms and technology and all the hype that goes with that, I just, I really wanted an online investment club, but one that could bring a bit of transparency and accountability to the process. So that when I'm talking to someone, I might not I might not know their real name, but I can have a, a bit of insight into their track record, the companies they like, the investment thesis that backs up their, their viewpoints, perhaps some valuations, and, and it's really trying to put some structure around that. So it's actually been going probably about three years ago we started building it. No, I'm not a I'm not a, um, a programmer. I'm not a developer. So I think I made every single. Um, mistake that there was to make um, in in building the thing, and mistakes happen to this day, unfortunately. Was the but, original name for it the electric straw man? <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, that's any any um, any mention of electric is is blacklisted <laughs> for any venture. Um, uh, but, but the idea of straw man was really I'm a really big idea. I'm really big on the idea of of having my investment ideas challenged. So I think we're all susceptible to this confirmation bias problem. So if you and I both like a particular company and we talk about it, all we're going to do is reinforce how brilliant each of us are. And, <laughs> and it's not a very valuable process. But if I can speak to, to Tony, who has the polar opposite view to me, or even just a different view to me, I mean, that, that is super valuable. This is not about stroking ego. This, this, is about, this is about me being either right or wrong. And if I'm wrong... One way or the other, I'm going to find out eventually. Now, I can find out by the market telling me um, or I can find out by uh, a trusted confidant telling me. And one, one perhaps is a bit more bruising to the ego, uh, but it's also far less um, damaging to your, to your wealth. So the idea was is that we want, we want people to share their investment insights, their, their ideas, their investment thesis, if you will, but we want it to be challenged. We just want it to be challenged in a very constructive way where it doesn't devolve into an argument and end up with someone calling someone else a Nazi as, as most internet debates usually devolve into that point. So that, that's, that's, that's the big picture idea. We, we give everyone $100,000 in play money. They can build a portfolio with that using real world prices. So you can't cheat the system here. You, you, this, for someone who's got a built, who's, who has built up a good track record has done so by picking good stocks and by managing their, their capital well. And that gives credibility and that helps you determine who's perhaps worth following and perhaps who's worth listening to. Um, 
yeah, that's that's basically the idea. Right, and it, it came from, sorry, Tony. No, go ahead. You. Go ahead. No, after you. No, after you. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, the, the, well, I guess the, you, spoke, you spoke about investing $100,000. Are there are there limits on the uh, amount you can deploy depending on how big the, cap, the, the capital is of the company? So oh, Tony, yes. I, I, I see on straw man a lot of people are investing in small companies. Obviously, they can't put $100,000 into each trade. Is yeah, there some kind of sophisticated you know, black box that stops them from doing that? Or you just say, that's fine. No, no, there are trading rules um, and this has evolved. So in the early days, we just had unlimited capital. It was more like a, a newsletter like Motley Fool. There'd be buy recommendations or not. And, and we would just track it all in percentage terms. And then we added play money and then we had have had to add rules around that. So there's there's a lot of rules. There's actually, a, I'm quite proud of a lot of IP that's been built up over, over our time here to try and make it. There's a, there's, a, there's a balance between giving people the flexibility to do what, what they feel is appropriate to them, but also not to game the system. Mm. Um, so the big one is, is that we, we, we have a 20% rule in terms of weighting. You cannot initiate a position or add to a position such that it pushes you over a 20% weighting. So when you start off with that 100K, you can only put 20K into, into a position. And that cash they'll actually provide you with some cash drag there as well. So cash earns a 0% rate of return, which is pretty accurate in this low interest rate environment. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, that's so someone doesn't put all their money into a, you know, a one cent stock. Um, we've also got volume matching rules around that as well. So on the ASX, if there's $10,000 traded in a given day, well, that's all that you can buy. And that's not really something you ever have to worry about when you're dealing with the big, bigger stocks, but at the smaller end, mm. it becomes very important. And just this last week, a little bit contentious actually, but uh, just this last week, we actually had to enforce a two cent rule as well. So we've actually stopped people from buying shares that are less than two cents. There's, um, the reason around that is, is that we operate on end of day closing prices only. And there were just, without getting into the, the minutiae of it, there were ways to game the system with people trying to buy stocks at 0.1 of a cent and flipping it the next day for 0.2 of a cent. Mm. Um, so other than that, it is any stock, you can buy up to 20%, you must volume match with what was traded on the ASX that day. Uh, and you can only trade at the end of the day. So you can't intraday trade, which is fine. We're, we're more of an investment platform. Um, but that's it. Other than that, you can do whatever you like. Does the platform take into account taxes and brokerage as well? Yeah, no, we don't account for for either uh, brokerage uh, or tax. Um, we could. Well, the reason we haven't is because it would be a consistent um, a consistent feature across everyone. So if we did add brokerage in, it would. I guess one argument would be it would penalise to some extent those who overtrade. So that is something we have thought about. Um, but the tax, everyone's in a different scenario. So as yet, we haven't. We may in the future, but but not at the moment. Just on that, do you, uh, without going into personal cases, do you, have you drawn any broad conclusions from your network yet? Like, is someone trading? Does someone who trades frequently get a better result than someone who trades infrequently, for example? Um, there's always exceptions to the rules. So we're, we're knocking on the door of about 14,000 users on the platform. So it, it, there's a bit of an infinite monkey theorem here. So, you know, there's, there's always going to be someone doing particularly well with a particular strategy. And yeah. we have people joining all the time. So there's people who might look brilliant for a few weeks and then fall away and, and, and vice versa. But I would, I would say this is some general observations. Um, I, I strongly believe this as a general rule on markets, but I think those who, who overtrade tend to underperform. And by the way, that's that's without those taxation and brokerage mm. restrictions that we have, but, but definitely I, I've noticed that. Another thing that um, is a very obvious feature to me at least is that you can trade your virtual portfolio on Strawman without saying anything. You don't have to put any notes up there. You don't have to put a valuation. But those that use the platform a bit like an investment diary, so they're not just buying X, Y, and Z because it, share price is moving up. They're buying it because they've looked at the business. They understand the, the, the different dynamics that are at play. You can tell. You can tell when you, when, you, when you see some of these guys that have been on there for a while. They put a lot of research into this. They've clearly done their homework. And lo and behold, they're the ones that tend to outperform longer term. 
question for you about the the platform and what you're doing. How it's it seems a, a you know quite a wide ranging platform, as you say, with fourteen thousand users. How are you funding it? I can't see any sort of obvious advertising or linkages there to brokers or something. How's it being funded? Tony, Tony, it's it's twenty twenty. We you know. Revenue is so last millennium. Right. You, you put it on afterpay, have you? <laughs> <laughs> we put it on. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we, we make it. We we make well peanuts. Really, we do a few sponsored posts uh, occasionally. Um, we have some affiliate programs, if we like, of ShareSite, Australian Shareholders Association, these kinds of things. Um, but but we haven't really turned the revenue um, taps on yet. Um, frankly. Um, we've, we could, I think quite, in fact, we've had a lot of offers, but it tends to be from investor relation firms and it tends to be investor relation firms that are being paid by, if I can be blunt, really crappy mining stocks that, that want to pump their prices. And mm. these guys pay a lot of money to, to promote their, mm. their stock. Um, so it's been very hard to say no to that money, but we feel as though the moment we do that, we devalue the whole experience. Right. Um, and frankly, it's it's that Charlie Munger idea of he whose bread I eat, his song I sing. And as soon as we do that, our allegiance will be with the investor relations company. It won't be with the investors. Mm-hmm. And we want to look after the investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason we haven't, well, there's a couple of reasons. We haven't, we do have a revenue model. I'm happy to, to tell you about it, although it's very tentative and, and subject to change. Um, but we, we've, one, we haven't wanted to initiate that yet until we've got this positive flywheel happening. The, the challenge with social networks, uh, and Google Plus found this out the hard way. You know, it doesn't matter how good the technology is. If there's no one on your platform, it's worthless. Mm. You know, even if you've got the best, and this is Google tried to beat Facebook with Google Plus and mm. it was a disaster. So, um, so we don't want to get any, let anything get in the way until we've got a self-sustaining community there. So anything that was going to, to impede that, we, we weren't interested in. So we've just been funding it out of our own pockets um, um, through till now. Um, and the other thing was trying to come up with a model that, that would enable people to participate to varying degrees. We, we want it to be free always. Um, but we want to have a higher premium level of men- membership that gives you extra benefits and extra bells and whistles. Right. So there's been a challenge in sort of designing that and building that. Um, I'm really excited to say that I think we've got something that's, that's really cool there. I, I want to keep my, my cards a bit close to my, my chest. We, we're hoping to, if you asked me at the start of the year, I would have said it was going to be out by July. Um, but, but that's how things have gone. But we've got something that I think will be great in that it will be free if you want it to be free. But if you want to have a higher level or a better experience, there's something there as well. And one that will actually recognize and reward financially those that are the better contributors. Right. That'll, yeah. be, the, that'll be the electric straw man. <laughs> yes. That yes that's, sign up for. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So I guess my line of questioning goes to this next question. If you if you're not making money out of advertising or subscribers or someone like that, someone like some other way like that, are you making money by you know, setting up your own investment fund that uses some of the better returners to to guide what you invest in? For example, I, I, I wish we had. So we've got this thing called the straw man index, and what that does is it. Um, it's hard to explain verbally, but in, in broad terms, what we do is we take the more popular stocks from across the community and we, add, we, add, we build a sample portfolio based on that. And that thing, if you just go to Strawman and then hit the companies tab, uh, you'll see how insanely good that thing has been. Uh, if I open it up now, in fact, so since we, we, we had a very early alpha release in late 2017 and then the public version was released in 2018, um, since then, it's been 41% per annum um, versus 6% for the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, even over the last 12 months, it's been about a 22% return versus a negative 2.6% return for the market. So I wish we, we had done that because we would have made incredible returns. Um, but I've been fortunate that um, all of my personal wealth is in the share market and has been for over 10 years. And that's that's permissioned me to fund straw man and to 
um, avoid having to go cap in hand to any investor relations firm. Yeah, I'm just scrolling down that list and, and um, it's great returns. A lot of, lot of tech stocks on there and buy now, pay later type stocks. I think, I mean, congratulations, it's a great return. I think what would stop me from investing in that index is the worry that uh, next month it all goes south just like it did in 2000. So, yeah, um, and that seems to be the way that, I mean, they're, they're fantastic returns from these users and they're all based on those kinds of companies. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the way that straw man goes. Is there any sort of, I guess, divergence in the straw man population that has a, a more traditional type investment theme to oh, it? Yeah. Or, or yep. do you, yeah, is it overwhelmingly of one type of profile that tends to go after the, the buy now, pay laters or tech stocks? in their portfolios yeah tony kind of it, it, it evolved so we've sort of started off with a few hundred and as it's grown it it, it has morphed so it, it's hard to sort of pin it down to any one particular style i would say if there was any particular bias it was certainly towards smaller cap stocks mm-hmm. um but that being said i mean some of the really big winners that we've had are, are, are certainly small cap stocks but there's real businesses there you know they're the businesses with sales not necessarily profits in all, all cases but real businesses uh, executing to their strategy very, very well. But I guess the other thing I would say is this index was really, we put this in place um, at inception before we knew how it was going to be. One, because we felt it sort of go the lens into the, the viability, the quality of the community. But I don't think anyone would sort of say you should you should follow that to the letter. It's more of something to sort of keep us honest. Within that, within that group, you've got people who would invest only in income stocks, some people who only invest in property trusts, uh, others that both, you know, go for the buy now, pay later and the pot stocks and lithium stocks and all of that. So everything in, in, in between. Um, so the other thing that I would encourage you to do is go to that members tab there. You can look at the, the various leaderboards that we have and, and start scrolling through some of those top performers. The one month, three month leaderboards, it's a little bit of noise. There's a fair bit of luck involved in, in those kinds of timeframes. But those people who have been on the platform for, for over a year or so, you'll, you'll see some, some really great contributors and a real, real divergence in terms of approach. This is the idea as well, is that we don't want to, I've got very strong views as anyone who's heard me speak before on how I think you should approach the market. Hmm. And there's some very, there's a certain approaches that I'm, I'm very anti. Um, but at the same time, we didn't want to be too um, ideological. We really wanted to sort of let results speak for themselves, to sort of say, we're agnostic. You want to be a chartist. You want to be a momentum trader. You want to be, you do what you, you do you and you do whatever you want. And if, if you know what you're doing, it will come out in the results. Mm. Um, it'll come out in the wash, so to speak. So we are, we're, we're totally agnostic. And I would say, anyone who's considering jumping on there, don't feel as though you have to conform to any one particular approach. You, you do what is appropriate to you. And before you follow anyone, um, certainly before you you think about um, following any of their ideas in the real world, get to, get to know them. You'll, you'll see, as I said, there's so much transparency here. You can click on a user profile. My, my profile is, I should have come up with a better name. My profile is straw man uh, as well. And you'll see the stocks I'm holding and you'll see how often I trade. And you, you only have to flick around there for a few minutes and you'll get a very good sense of the kind of investor I am or in terms of the approach I take, the preference that I have. Um, and I think that is, while the returns are what get the headlines, it's, it's diving deeper into the actual activity of a user that will be very, very valuable for you in, in working out who is this person out there in cyberspace doing these trades. Yes, I'm just looking at your portfolio now. Is this how you invest yourself outside of the, the platform in, in real, in, with, yeah. with real money on the ASX? Yeah, it's, it's not a perfect match because yeah. of tax considerations and, you know, um, the rest of it. Uh, but it's pretty close. Yeah, and so, so if, if there's a stock in, on my straw man portfolio, I think without exception, I hold it in real life. Maybe the weighting is a little bit different and maybe the timing is a little bit different, but it's, it's a pretty close analogue. A couple of things. Have you always invested that way? You said before you've been doing it for 10 years. So has being on straw man changed you at all? So I've been doing, I've been investing for about 20 years or so. Um, it's only that I would, I would argue I've only been doing it seriously for about um, 10 years in the sense that um, like literally selling my house and putting every, every last cent I own into the market. I've been doing that for about 10 years. 
Um, but yeah, when I started off, I was buying stuff because the share price was going up and it sounded cool. <laughs> um, Why did you sell your house and invest it in the market? I felt as though I could get a better return. So you didn't think of uh, mortgaging the house and putting that in the market? So no, I didn't. And that's, that is a whole other story. <laughs> we actually found ourselves on the 730 report earlier this year because um, uh, what's the short version? So obviously when you do that, you need to rent. And I thought on paper renting made a great deal of sense. Mm -hmm. And it was all about how much you could make your capital work for you. And financially, it's worked brilliantly. There's no regrets. But, but what we didn't factor in was that when you rent, you, are, um, you have no security. And uh, there's lifestyle factors that come into play that don't get reflected on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. so, so, Tony, if I had a time machine, <laughs> I should have done that. But I didn't do that. You want to go out and buy a house and then sell your shares to buy the house and then mortgage the house and buy the shares back. Uh, there's definitely that as an option too. And a lot of this money also has been since tied up in straw man, which is at a certain stage as well. So it's yeah, all part of it. Sorry, it, that's, it, not, that's not financial advice, by the way. That's general advice only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, and it's, I would never advocate for anyone to do that either. You've got to do what's, what's right for you. But that's, that's, what, that's what we do. Looking at your portfolio in straw man, you're holding a lot of cash. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, I wish I hadn't. Um, it's it's been a it's been a huge drag. So um, I, I think partly it's of all the of all the companies that I, I really like, I don't necessarily like the valuations um, mm. that are out there. And there's only so much cash I've got, as in the real world on Strawman. There's only so much cash I've got to invest. So I've actually had a, a higher than in hindsight necessary weighting in cash because I felt as though I would like some dry powder should some attractive opportunities come along. Um, and I definitely took advantage of that in some way um, back in March, but not nearly as hard as I should have. So. <laughs> That's an interesting point. One of the, when Cameron and I looked up setting, setting up, looked at setting up a QAV portfolio on Strawman when we were starting out. Um, and the first question it asked was, what's the IV you place on this stock? And we both, we, we both tried and we both said, well, we don't, basically our portfolio is above the IV that we would calculate for the stocks, which but it doesn't worry us. So why is there an emphasis on having an internal value, uh, sorry, an IV calculation for a stock? The very early version of Strawman, we forced you to have an IV. If you, mm. if you weren't prepared to say what you thought the share was worth, even broadly, we wouldn't let you place the trade. So that must have been when we were trying to start our but, portfolio. Yeah. yeah. So that was, that, as I said, I did, I did sort of start off more ideologically driven than I've <laughs> since, since become. So you don't have to do that anymore. You, you don't have ah, to do okay. evaluation there. But I, I look as, as a personally as an as an investor. I think that I think firstly any intrinsic value calculation is wrong. I think. Yeah, I think so too. It has to be wrong. Like you cannot <laughs> predict the future, and mm. even if we could perfectly predict the future, you might have a different desired rate of return, and therefore use a different discount rate. So there's there's problems with all of with that, and I I, I acknowledge that. But I I do think at the same time that you should have a general sense as to what is, you know, broadly speaking, what is cheap, what is expensive. Yeah. You have to, right? I mean, yeah. by definition, if you're buying something, I would like to think it's because you think it's good value. Correct. Now, now how you estimate value, you may have come at it a different way to me, but if, if we were at a pub and you were trying to pitch me a stock and you could give me a great rundown of the business, that, that would be wonderful. But my next question would be is, Tony, why do you think this is good value? Mm. Now, I... I don't expect you to give me an answer to five decimal places. And I always laugh when you see the brokers say that, oh, we value, you know, X, Y, Z, and they give you this hyper precise answer. It's nonsense. And whenever I do a valuation, I probably have a dozen different valuations and I sort of, but I go for that generally right as opposed to specifically wrong. I think you have to have a, 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 a notion of value. Otherwise, what else frames your buy sell decisions? Yeah, correct. Now I agree. If I was forced to use an IV and or to value or to convince you as to why a stock was value, I would use price to operating cash flow. And in our investing world, we look at stocks which have a price to cash flow of less than five, and I expect that to go up in the future because uh, it's something with a price to cash flow of less than five is pretty cheap. But whether it goes to 10 or whether it goes to 15 or whether it goes to seven, I've got no idea really. 
Yeah. So it's I, hard I, to, I, yeah. But 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 just you saying that already gives me a huge insight into you as an investor. Mm. And when you say you like a stock, I can frame that opinion around a, a particular philosophy or outlook. And so I find it's it's super valuable. And again, we 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 could debate whether that's the best way, but the, the fact that you have a way, yeah, says it speaks volumes to me. Yeah. Right. So uh, let me go back to the uh, the index and the straw man profiles and the leaderboard. If I wanted to use Strawman to construct a portfolio, if I went out, how should I do that? If I went out and bought what was on the index now, they may have already had their run. Do I wait until there's a trade on the index and something new comes in before I, I buy? What, what would you um, No, I, I'd, I'd walk you back a bit. I would, I would say, and we're always very careful with this, partly for licensing reasons, but also just for ethical reasons. I, I, I would never advocate to anyone just buy and sell whatever comes in or out of the index. It's, it's a wonderful track record, but for a long-term investor like me, even the three years that it's been around for is an incredibly brief amount of time and it's been achieved in a very bull, bullish market overall mm-hmm. with a particular bent towards technology and growth stocks, which has, for whatever reason, been favoured. So... You know, I, I would not encourage you to do that. What I would encourage you to do would take that would be to take that hundred grand and invest it as you, Tony, would invest it today in real life. If I gave you a hundred thousand dollars in cash and you went out into the the ASX, what stocks are you going to buy and 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 why? Roughly, what do you think they're worth? Um, forget the index. The index is just going to aggregate you and Cameron and me and a million other people out there, and it's it, it gives you some perspective but but i i wouldn't say just buy the index in fact if you bought the index and everyone bought the index it become it would just feed on itself and it probably wouldn't work correct yeah well, that's interesting though but so how, how do i approach how, how do i make money from straw man as a as a new user to the to the network do i just follow someone who i like who who mirrors my investing style do i and i'm talking about a user who comes in who doesn't have the time because they're a doctor, dentist, lawyer, or whatever to do their own research, yeah. but they have the cash to invest. What, what should I do? I think there's two ways to approach it and they're not mutually exclusive. I think the first one is it's just a wonderful training ground. I mean, it's play money. So, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't lose anything here, but you can still invest in real stocks, real stock prices with, with virtual cash. And so it's going to give you, it's going to just give you wonderful real you know, world battle experience, you know, on, on the ground, um, but risk-free. So I, I think, I think for anyone who's particularly new to the market, I think get in there, get amongst it, um, buy some stocks and, and, and you'll just gain experience without, without risking your, your real hard-earned cash. The second way I would do it is actually spend a bit of time investigating the people who, who are more active, when I say active, not necessarily in trades, but active on the platform and adding insight and, and research and stuff, you'll, you'll see these people. They're, they're very prominent in the newsfeed. Our activity filters will, will show you sort of who's, who's putting a lot of work in. The leaderboards will show you the people who have delivered very attractive returns over a long term. Have a look at the people that resonate with you. What are the kind of stocks they are buying? Is that aligned with your um, temperament and tastes? Um, and then And then use it as an idea. But but the thing is, and I'm really fond of saying this, I say it all the time, but you can borrow an idea, but you can't borrow someone's conviction. So we could all have a chat and I can give you a pitch and maybe I'm convincing in that pitch and you run out and buy it. But the second that that thing drops 20% for whatever reason, if you don't know anything about, about it other than Andrew likes it, you, you're not going to be able to hold through those tough times. You're certainly not likely to buy more. Um, maybe you shouldn't be. Um, and and so, so really, this is an idea generator. I would argue, um, but it's on you what you do with that. And it actually frustrates me quite a lot if, if someone, it's not just us, it happened when I was at The Fool or anywhere else, is that someone would get a tip from somewhere, the internet. And then if it would go well, it was their own genius. And if it went bad, it was everyone's fault but their own. And, and that sounds really harsh, but it's, I, I say that in all seriousness. This is... This is your money and no one cares more about your money than you. And no one is responsible for that money other than you. So don't jump on the straw man and just buy something because someone who happens to be ranking well at the moment likes it. I mean, that is, that is a really dumb thing to do. But pay attention to what they're doing. 
dig a little bit deeper. Use it as a starting point for your own research. Build up your own investment thesis. Own the idea and, and, and build conviction. Because if you don't do that, you know, the best ideas in the world are not going to help you. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's speaking from my personal point of view, that's one of the reasons why I haven't been actively involved in straw man because I find it difficult to find people that, that reflect my sort of investment methodology. And I do, I couldn't have the conviction to invest in some of the high growth, high price stocks that are being, um, are pushing people to the top of the leaderboards there. So, yeah. But they'll, they'll have, they'll, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And you shouldn't, and I would never encourage you to, um, but you should put, you should, you should be your true self. <laughs> I suppose it, it will out. There, there are, as I said, if you look at the short term leaderboards, they, that, that, that thing rotates all the time. You know, there's mm. yesterday's hero. Today's hero will be yesterday's hero in, in a month's time. I don't, I don't mean to be, to be mean or rude to the people who are ranking well uh, at present on those leaderboards. I, I wish them every long-term success. But again, you'll, you'll see over time, those that, that stick around and those that roll with the punches and those that adapt and, there's no algorithm, unfortunately, that we can generate that's going to sort of emerge this for you. And even then, if, if it does, it's, it, there's, there's going to be all kinds. I mean, this is why backtesting doesn't work, right? Like you, 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 the future is, we live in a, a very chaotic, hard to predict universe, impossible to predict universe. And yesterday, tomorrow is not going to be like yesterday, even if it's very similar. So this, this is, I, I think, I just really want to make the point clearly here that this is not any kind of black box that you should just follow and buy. You know, this, this is for you to practice on. This is for you to join a peer group who are people who are, who are selflessly sharing their ideas, and putting themselves out there for all to see with a track record to, to, to get rid of the noise so you can have a sensible adult conversation with other serious investors. I mean, that's why on Strawman, if you look at Strawman, here's something that no one believes, but it's, it's true. In the whole time that we've run this, I've probably moderated five posts. I've never had to, very rarely have I had to delete anything because people who get on there and, and, and try to hype things, I mean, they just get voted down on, by the other users in the community. And all their shenanigans result in very poor portfolio returns for them anyway. So no one, no one follows them. It's, it's, it's hard to pump and dump when there's a spotlight shining on you um, and there's community endorsement and community ranking on there, which is, which is, I think that the best part about all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that was my next question. You've, you've outlined a really good thesis for the positive side of straw man, but there must be a negative side as well. And, and from personal experience with other forums and other companies that do this uh, yeah, pump and dumps, people buying a stock and then touting it as the next great next best thing is, I mean, there are, there's a dark side to these kinds of platforms often. I'm not saying there is with straw man, but, but how do you, I guess, apart from what you just said about the rankings, how do you try and, and prevent the um, touters and, and, and negative comments and, and even shorters from, from um, unleashing mayhem on a platform like straw man? Yeah, so I'll go back a step. So when we got VC funding last year and we, we speak to a few, which is really nice. They, they ring us up and they want to know more about the business. And, and one of the things that you always get asked by these investors is what is the problem that you're trying to solve here? I mean, <laughs> forums exist, you know, so what's, what's new about this? And I guess the problem that we're trying to solve is that exact problem of, of um, actors that have ulterior motives, which anyone who's been to said, said forum that's out there knows that that is, that is a huge problem. That's the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, and we do it by one, making people accountable. So we, we it, it, and people aren't dumb. We've got a really strong community. So if I get on there, I'm saying, buy this, buy this. And I joined up, you can see when they joined up, they joined up a week ago They've relentlessly pumped this thing. They've put a high price. They've got no track record there whatsoever. Everyone who's looked at their posts has voted it down by the established members of the community. They get no love. They get no, they get no traction and they, they, they take their toys and they go home very, very quickly. So even on our company page, every company, rather than having 50,000 threads for every company, we have a company page. And if you go click on any company in Strawman, you'll be taken there. 
We'll give you the consensus forecast from the community. And then we've got what we call straws, which are kind of like tweets. It's, it's, a, it's a concise um, viewpoint or perspective on, on a company. It's not a, it's not a conversational thing like a forum. It's actually meant to be a, a specific insight or perspective on a business. But they're ranked and they, there's, there's algorithms there that date them um, and rank them according to how new they are, how many people like them. And we're getting, I'm really excited about this. We haven't, we haven't released it yet, but we're getting much more sophisticated on that. So when someone who's been on the platform for a year who has a really good performance and lots of followers votes, that will have much more say than the bloke who joins up yesterday. It has no performance. So we're trying to sort of algorithmically account for that. Much like if we're, there was a whole bunch of us around a kitchen table as an investment club, and we've been doing this for 10 years. We all know each other very well. We know what Cameron's like. I know what Tony's like. I know your style. I know your track record. And then we invite someone new into the club and they sit down at the table and start mouthing off about the latest and greatest thing. Now, our opinion is going to count for a lot more and it should because we're a known quantity, even if we don't have, in every case, the best performance. And so we're trying to sort of bring that common sense approach to evaluating perspectives to the platform and you can do it in very clever mathematical ways and it's it started out very basically it's still got a long way to run just just as twitter and reddit and these things are always adapting their their algorithms we are too but we're trying to do it in that way so there is there is a peer review that is in place here there is a there is community endorsement on content so so we can't stop and we don't want to stop anyone from getting on there and saying whatever it is they think, even if what they think is rubbish and they're, and they're not acting in the, in, in the spirit in the way that we would like them to. But, but members, members can sniff this a mile away. They will act appropriately and that content will be weighted appropriately. Has anyone on your site ever recommended Apollo Tourism and Leisure, Andrew? <laughs> it's uh, something we need to know. What's the ASX code? I, uh, I, 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 it was an APT afterpay. I, it's, oh. I always get it confused with afterpay. <laughs> Something like that. Don't worry about it. You don't want it's It's an in-joke. ATL, I can say. ATL, yeah. Well, see, this is the thing. I can look it up. I can tell you that eight people have it in their portfolio. 19 people are following it. It is exactly on the consensus valuation at this stage, but no one has added any straws. So, uh it doesn't, it doesn't look like it has much love on the platform at this stage. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a long story. Sorry, Tony, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. I, I guess getting back to your, your uh, answer, Andrew, about the way that you're going to rank uh, people who come onto the, the platform and try and pump and dump, for example, mm. uh, is the risk there that you could create some kind of groupthink where the people who've been there longest or loudest or... Um, have a particular style of investing and dominate the conversation. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that, that's, that is where the refinement comes into it. So we try things occasionally and we realize that that, that is one of the problems. So it's, it's all part of the refinement. I mean, one thing that comes into it is your performance and, and the longevity. So you might, you might be diametrically opposed to everyone. But if you've been doing your own thing on Strawman for a few months and you've built up a good track record there, I mean, that, that, that will give you some weight to what you say. Um, uh, but the, the, the thing is, is I'll, I'll come back to the very initial premise of it. it's called Strawman. I mean, we want ideas to be challenged. The best way to improve an investment idea is to challenge an investment idea. And so and it happens all the time, stuff I put out there, you know, people will come up, I'll, I'll hashtag bull case and I'll write out why I like a company and someone will, will, will write a bear case. And it's the best thing in the world. And we don't want to, we don't want to discourage that in any way, shape or form. Um, in fact, I, I, I vote up on a lot of straws that come through the platform that I, I totally disagree with, but I really value the content. And so it's, it's, um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure most of the, the established players do that as well because it's not about sort of saying, I think you're right, I think you're wrong. It's about saying, I think this is a valid opinion and I think it adds to the, to the, to the tenor of the conversation and, and, and to the value of the debate. Very good. I'm out of questions. Cam, do you have anything to, to add? Yeah, I do. But um, before I get into it, Andrew, when you get a little bit excited, 
your microphone oh. is whacking your collar there. Sorry. So if you can just so try not to yeah. bob your head around. <laughs> Sorry, too much. No, we really okay. should get a proper mic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you about your investment philosophy. Looking at your page here, you've had really good performance on your straw man portfolio. Looking at a lot of the stocks that you hold, they're stocks that probably wouldn't uh, pass muster for us. I'm interested in what's your process for determining what you're going to buy? Mm. Um, well, as I said, it's morphed over the years, but I, I would say in recent years, I've been very much a growth-focused investor, um, uh, growth at reasonable price. Um, I, think, I think all sensible investing is value investing, but I like companies that have got a wind at their back and, and that are growing their earnings. I'm not, not too big into picking up pennies in front of steamrollers this day, these days, although I used to, I used to do that a lot. Um, but I, it's really basic. You know, do I understand the business? If, if I can't, if I can have a half intelligent conversation with the CEO, I shouldn't be buying that stock, no matter how many, how attractive it looks on various metrics and the rest of it. And what, what do they? How do they make money? Are they making money? How do they plan to make money? What's their available market? What's their competitors like? Forget the share market. I don't, I don't care what the prices are doing. I don't care about anything else. I need to have an under. To come back to the cafe analogy, I mean, I can I understand what a how, what a cafe is. I understand how it makes money. I understand what is important, and I need to be able to understand that for a business. So there's a lot of really cool businesses that have actually done incredibly well, but I've not gone anywhere near because I don't feel as though I've got a good handle on the industry dynamics and the business model. Afterpay's in that category for me, frankly. I mean, I get it. I know what they do, and I could explain to you what they do, but. But that is a very fast-moving space where there are all kinds of um, structural changes within that industry that I just don't have a confident view on. And I think the bulls and bears might make, make a good argument. So I'm very happy to put things in the too hard basket if I don't feel as though I've got a high conviction on, on what, the, what, what the likely future is for that business, just broadly speaking. So I think that's, that's the first hurdle. Um, once I, I feel as though I understand the business um, pretty well, I, I then need to have some kind of view as to, I have to quantify that earnings growth or that free cash flow growth or that sales growth. It has, it has to come back to the financials at some point. Um, so I need, to, I need to try and be able to, as I said, very vaguely, generally right as opposed to specifically wrong, but I need to be able to sort of look into a crystal ball and say that I think integrated research is the kind of business that can grow its earnings at a high single digit rate over the next five to 10 years. Or I think this business is likely going to plateau or is going to match inflation. But I, but I need to have a view on that. Um, and then there's, I, I'm very big at looking at um, what can go wrong. So what are the things that I need to look out for? What's the balance sheet like? Is it in, is it in good shape? I can't predict macro factors. I have no no time to even try and predict it. That's not to say that you shouldn't, but that's, that's just a limitation of mine. I've, I've got no idea what those things are going to do. So I don't try and do it, but I'd like to think that if something, if we do have a bad recession or, you know, interest rates go up or FX rates change that the companies that I hold, although may be impacted by those aren't going to be completely derailed by those kinds of things. Um, do I trust management? Do management have skin in the game? Um, and is it trading at a sensible price? And I think if I get all of those things right, I'll, I'll make an investment. And I try and at a portfolio level, weight according to uh, a combination of, of conviction, quality, and value. So the higher the conviction, the higher the quality, and the better the value, the more I will put into a stock. And I have no problem holding 15 to 20% of my stock, my portfolio in a single stock if, if all of those things line up um, correct. But, and, and then frankly, from there, I, I feel as though I should be extremely fussy. There's thousands of stocks out there. I think that really when you get to 15 or 20, you've got all the benefits you're going to get from diversification. So I, I treat my portfolio like a, like a sport team. You know, it, there's, there's a lot of great companies that I don't hold, not because they're awful, but because I just don't think they're as good as what I've got. And so I, I try to keep it pretty tight. And then other than that, the last thing is I look to hold for as long, I'm like Warren Buffett. I, I never want to sell. Why would I end a relationship, a beautiful relationship that is, that is continuing to flourish? 
I'll, I'll, the only time I will sell is if the thesis is broken or the valuation just no longer makes sense. Other than that, I'm, I'm a holder. Quick question, Andrew, on valuation. We've, we've had this discussion with other people we've interviewed, especially growth investors. How, how do you go about valuing a stock that uh, may not even be profitable at the moment? Yeah, it's hard. The, the, well, it depends. So if, it's, if it's a pre-profit kind of company, I think you can get a lot of insight by just starting with top-line growth. And again, generally right as opposed to specifically wrong. Not is it, is it going to grow at 17.3%. Kgar for four years, but you know what, what? What kind of general rate of growth are we looking at? What are the typical net margins or operating margins for a business in that sector? I mean, am I relying on this thing throwing out a twenty percent net margin in ten years, or is it more likely to be a five percent net margin? I need to have a handle on that, and I need to be able to argue what's what's reasonable. And then I need to figure out what's a reasonable multiple um, for that company, whether I'm doing a price to sales, price to cash flow, price to earnings, what is reasonable based on the historical experience, based on what peers are doing and all the rest of it. And you fold all that together and you can get a target price that might be about five years out. And then I just discount that back by my desired rate of return. And uh, the, the, the higher the risks involved, the, the more I will discount that back. Um, and then I will stress test that using a variety of assumptions and try and figure out a price that sort of you know, what's an average price based on that, that agglomeration of different views. And, you know, that's, that's why it's nice that it's that Ben Graham margin of safety philosophy, which I'm just huge on. I, all of these are guesses. Like, people in our industry like to call them forecasts, which sounds really sophisticated, but they're all total guesses. But I like to, I like to be very conservative in my guesses. And then I like to add a really big fat margin of safety on that. So even if I'm wrong and I'm probably going to be wrong, that, that I've got far more upside than downside. I'm looking for asymmetry here, where if things go right, there's a lot of upside, but if they don't go my way, then then the downside is limited. And frankly, I expect that I'm it's the whole Peter Lynch. You know, if you're right six times out of ten, you're good in this game. I expect to be wrong a lot of the time, um, but hopefully, if I'm doing it right, so far so good. Um, when you get it right the gains more than make up for the losers. You, you, cut, you cut the ones that aren't working well and you continue to invest in the ones that are doing well. I'm a big fan of averaging up, by the way, too. Is, is if a company continues to execute really well and uh, my conviction continues to go up, I'll, I'm more than happy to add to that at a much higher price than what I initially bought in. You, um, I saw a video that I think was the RASC conference from last year and you were you opened up by talking about etfs and how you recommend etfs to friends and family particularly if they're not uh willing or ready to you know be a a a serious investor and, and invest a lot of time and effort into it which is something common with uh what tony has said on the show over the last couple of years, he believes that ETFs are a great place. We, he talks about the investing ladder and an ETF is sort of one of the bottom rungs on the ladder as you're working your way up. But um, you, you mentioned the rate of return that you're looking for when you're doing your DCF. And I was wondering what you think is a good rate of return to get? Because one of the things I've learned from Tony over the last couple of years is that as an investor, well, it's certainly with Tony's model, we're just chasing that 15 to 20% compound growth on average every year, not trying to get 100%. We're, you know, 15 to 20% with relatively low risk, relatively low effort. I don't have to spend 12 hours a day reading annual reports like Warren Buffett does. Uh, what do you think is a good... What are, you, what are you trying to achieve with your portfolio, your real, your real money, not your, your straw man uh, fake money, your real money? What do you think is realistic based on your 20 years of investing? I think 10% is realistic, frankly. Um, uh, I, I feel as though it's a pride before fall moment. I'm really mindful of hubris, but, but it's, it's actually been much, much higher than that. Um, but, but I think... Let's go back 100 years with the US or any of the major Western um, industrialized economies. That's about what markets do with capital gains and income. And given that I can get about that, I mean, I, let's the, we could debate 
endlessly what the next five to 10 years is going to bring, probably going to be less than that, but, but who knows. But long-term, if I can get anywhere near that, the power of compounding is so phenomenal that I'm going to do really well over time. And if I can get that by doing no thinking whatsoever, just by buying an ETF, well, if I'm going to put all this effort into it, either A, I just have to love it for the sake of it, and fortunately I do, um, but also I need to make I need to compensate for my time and 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 effort and anxiety and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I would say if you're not getting if you're putting in a lot of effort and you're not getting more than three, four, five percent above the, your benchmark, then you, there's, there's probably better things you can do with your time. And by the way, it doesn't sound like it, if, if you can get if you can target ten percent and you can get twelve percent over the next per annum over the next twenty years, that is. That is such a phenomenal difference in dollar terms. So it's very material, but you need to be getting, you need to be getting some outperformance to justify what it is that you're doing. And, and sometimes you'll have, I mean, I think what people misunderstand about that is they think that if I can target 10% a year, that'll be great. And they're right. But that, that means I get 10% each and every year. I mean, no one gets that. Buffett doesn't get that. No one gets that. What will happen is, is that one year you'll get 60% and then the next year you'll get minus 20% and then you'll get 3% and then you'll get 8% and then you'll get minus 40%. And there's, there's a lot of noise that is hidden in that average. And so people, the worst thing I think that can happen to you as an investor is that the first few years, you just absolutely knock it out of the park because it sets ridiculous expectations. Um, and conversely, you can do very, very sensible things and get a very ordinary or even uh, even a, a very disappointing return over the first few years and it just dissuades people from doing it but it's about process it's about consistency and if you do that and you can generate that as an average not getting 10 percent every year but averaging that 10 percent every year i think i think you should be pretty happy and if you can get 15 to 20 percent by all means by all means What's the, uh, just to wrap up, what's the, what's the number one thing you've learned uh, out of the straw man uh, experiment so far? As an investor or as an as a entrepreneur? Well, both if you want, yeah. So as building a business, I, I completely misunderstood the complexity and difficulty in the technical challenge. I, I kind of thought, how hard can it be? We'll get some people in, they'll build it, we'll go on and then we'll run the business. Where in reality, the technical development never stops. The reality is, is that someone who might be a $400 an hour developer is much, much cheaper than someone in the Philippines who's charging you $10 an hour. Because although on an hourly rate, it's much cheaper, um, they'll probably make a big mess of things and you're going to have to fix it up and they'll take 10 times as long. And so you know, there's a lot of blogs and podcasts that talk about startups and that. And they all say, oh, make sure you get good people. And I nodded and everyone nods. Make sure you get good people because <laughs> they are everything. And we have had some horror stories of some of the people that we've had because I was a tight ass and I based my judgment on an ignorance of what was, what was important. And by looking at things on an hourly rate basis, which was a mistake, which we finally addressed, by the way, but some really great developers now. But that, that set us back years and literally cost me tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. So there's, there's a big lessons in all of that. Um, Same with marketing consultants like Electric Bean versus Straw Man. Like you you, you want to you pay for the good brand consultants. I'm, straight after this, I'm taking this down from the LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. It's great. Where you came from. It's a good story. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it is it is so true in so many different aspects. Whether it is marketing, and that's, that's the joke in marketing, right? I mean, every every marketer knows that half their bu budget is wasted. They just don't know which which half, right? And I think there's a lot of parallels with that. So, a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons learned there. If I was to start again with this thing, I reckon we could get to where we are now in about six months, and we'd have technically, from an infrastructure and architecture perspective, we'd have something that was a million times better. So you, you live and you live and you learn. Um, the, from a business, uh, from a, um, from an investment perspective, I guess it's not so much a learning, but a reinforcement, which is really pay attention to those that disagree with you. I mean, seek out contradictory opinion and take it seriously. I, I think that for every one of the stocks that I hold, 
I'll give you the bull case and I'll explain to you why I'm holding it. But if I can't articulate the bear case better than the most bearish person out there, then I shouldn't be holding that stock. Doesn't mean I obviously I need to agree with it, but I but but I really pay attention to those that that post differing views to me on straw man. And I think I think that's a lesson that's been really reiterated and reinforced. And it's a very hard thing to do emotionally and psychologically, because as I said, we 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 want we want that confirmation bias. And you look at just look at Twitter, right? Like we all surround ourselves in this bubble, you know, um, of all the people that we agree with because it's it's more comfortable. Um, but I really try and follow people on a lot of social platforms that I fundamentally disagree with on a lot of areas, just just to try and avoid that. And I think that is something that that as investors we should all try and do a bit more of. Yeah, no, I agree. I think as humans, we should do that. It's um, incredibly important to have our ideas challenged and put ourselves in situations where they will be challenged by smart and articulate people. Good stuff. Well, uh, last question. We always ask guests to give us uh, a book recommendation, uh, either from an investing perspective or not. Just uh, what are you you reading? What, What can you recommend as a good read? I just finished just this morning, I finished reading a book called Homo Deus um, by Yuval Noah Harari. Um, He's more famous for Sapiens. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sapiens is an incredible book. And I've just, I've just purchased uh, Lessons for the 21st Century, which is, which is his other book. It's a a brief history of the future. It's pretty bleak. Um, And it's it's a very mind blowing kind of book. And I, I think, I think, what it highlighted for me is that we are living in such a unique point in history and the future is going to be either unbelievably brilliant or unbelievably terrible. <laughs> it's probably my takeaway from it is we're going to bifurcate. What, what else is new? Yeah. You know, it was different. I mean, if you, you lived in the middle ages, your great, great grandchildren probably had the same lifestyle and same world as, as you did. But, you know, even I was born in 1975 and, you know, my kids, my lifestyle as, as a kid is very different to, to what my kids and I dare say my grandkids will be, if they're not all chipped up with, with Neuralink brain devices or something at that point. It's, so it's, it's just a fascinating point. And I think it's interesting as a, as a human, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, lessons for investors as well. I was having a conversation with one of my 20-year-olds on the weekend. He came over and he was <clears throat> he was depressed. He's sad and he's frustrated and he's angry. And I said, you know, what's going on? He goes, ah, oh, you know, my TikTok numbers just have stagnated for the last couple of months. It's not growing. I said, wow, yeah, that's a really tough uh, problem. I said, let me, let me show you something. I grabbed a photo off my hard drive of my mother when she was, I think, about two in Bundaberg, like this little wooden shack they lived in, a truck that they were driving around in, which was no more than an engine with a steering wheel jammed into the top of it and like a plank of wood on the back. (laughs) And, you know, I know she told me she didn't have electricity till she was four in the house. And I'm like, you know, your biggest problem is that your funny videos that you're making aren't growing. You know, you've only got hundreds of thousands of people and not the millions you thought you'd have by now watching your videos. Really? That's uh, well, first world problem. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Did, he, did he take the photo and post it on TikTok? No, he didn't. But he did He did make me do a TikTok with him where I took my shirt off. So. I saw that. I can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you're, like you're welcome. people on Facebook who have to look at beheadings and mass oh, yeah. and them down. I didn't, you're lucky I didn't charge you to see the glory <laughs> of my dad bod, Tony. Well, Andrew, um, thanks very much. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and having a chat. That was fascinating. And I'll jump back into straw man and spend a bit more time in there. now that I understand a little bit more about it. Thanks, mate. Mm. I, I really enjoyed it guys. Really, really Me too, real and, and good, pleasure. good luck for the future too. It's, it's an exciting future. I think you have. Thank you very much. Thank you. And yeah, thanks for spending some time with us. That was great. Oh, it's, it's absolute, my pleasure. My pleasure. I think I think we I think we sing from the same hymn sheet in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too. 
Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. And also uh, we get a a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you're trying to figure out what's going on, Go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in Season 1, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.